Welcome to the Genealogy Happy Hour, a place where new family historians can learn to document their family histories and celebrate their new discoveries. I'm Amy. And I'm Penny. And we're here to help you discover your family tree from the beginning. Welcome to episode 56. Today, Penny and I are going to be discussing school records with Melissa Barker. Melissa is a certified archivist manager and public historian currently working in the Houston County, Tennessee archives. She writes a popular blog entitled A Genealogist in the Archives and also writes a bi-weekly advice column entitled The Archive Lady, published at Abundance Genealogy. She's been researching her own family history for the past 30 years. But before we get talking about school records, Penny, what wine do we have today? Well, today we have a Cabernet Sauvignon uh, called Broadside from uh, Paso Robles Margarita Vineyard. And according to the New York Times, this is their description, um, it's an old favorite, a great value year in and year out. And this Cabernet Sauvignon tastes like Cabernet used to taste, darkly fruity, but with discernible herbal aromas and flavors that are essential to the complete Cabernet experience. So broadside, really pretty label too. Very nice, nicely done. Because we do enjoy those labels too. We do like, we do like our labels. Yep. All right. Well, then let's get started talking with uh, Melissa about school records. Well, hi, Melissa, and welcome to Genealogy Happy Hour. Thank you, Penny. I'm glad to be here. Hello, Amy. Hi, um, Melissa. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to talk about school records. Um, both my grandmothers were born in the 1890s, so I don't have birth records for either one, and those school records definitely came in handy um, in those instances. So, Well, Melissa, what got you interested in school records? Uh, that's an interesting question because um, school records were not necessarily on my radar as a genealogist, um, not as far up as some of the other records on the list. Uh, so as my work as an archivist, um, it's interesting, I've been a genealogist for 30 years. I've been an archivist for 10 years. And so my genealogy brain uh, went with me as I became an archivist. And so I was processing some school records at the archives. Uh, our local school board had actually transferred over a lot of the records that had been stored in a room that they had no idea what it was. And once I got those records, I figured out they dated back to the 1800s. And so I was very excited to have these records. And then a year later, they also transferred some other records that were in an outbuilding that were school registers dating back to the 1920s. So we are extremely fortunate in my archives in Houston County, Tennessee, to have these school records. So as I was processing the records, um, another thing interesting about me being a genealogist and being an archivist where I live is that my husband's family is from here. So I get to see a lot of records from my husband's family, which I do research. So as I was processing the school records, I ran across this, um, it looked like an invoice or a receipt. It was handwritten on a torn off piece of paper. And it was from the night, it was 1940, 41. And it was for my husband's grandfather. He had done some work at a local one-room schoolhouse, uh, putting and building the cabinets for the home economics class. And he was requesting funds to be paid to do that. 
this was in those school records. What got me interested in it is the fact that my husband's grandfather did not attend school. And so it got me to thinking, you know, as a genealogist, even if your ancestor attended school, but especially if they didn't attend school, we should not be overlooking school records. That's interesting. Interesting point, um, because it's sort of like those um, uh, courts of common pleas and, and civil court records, you know, you can find just interesting little tidbits about your family in those records, school records, you can find out many different things other than just school attendance. Yeah. And we, my, I learned that from you. My first thought on that one when you're telling that story is that's so lucky for you as an archivist to be able to come up with all that information and find it and then you know what to do with it. But as a researcher, when we go to a library or a historical site or um, whatever and we're looking for school records, where are we going to find them in the library? Most likely, if the archivist of the archives or a library or a museum, um, and I'm listing all these different archives because I find that sometimes genealogists uh, don't think of certain areas as being archives, university archives and libraries, anywhere where there are records being stored and preserved is an archive. So wherever you're doing your research, ask the archivist. Um, you know, we have online catalogs. We may even have indexes and things in the archives or wherever you're researching. But I always encourage genealogists to strike up a conversation with the archivist, the museum curator, the librarian. Talk to them about what they have. Um, looking at just the indexes or the catalogs they may have available on the shelf may not be enough because maybe they haven't indexed those records. Maybe they haven't cataloged those records yet. So most likely these school records are going to be located in manuscript collections or they're going to be located in what are called special collections, especially in a library. A library usually calls them special collections. And so look for manuscript collection catalogs, special collection catalogs, but most importantly, talk to the person that is at the archives. Pick their brains about what kind of records they have. I encourage genealogists not to go in asking for everything for their Smith family. <laughs> uh, because that you are going to get some, uh, not as much help. But if you'll talk to the archivist about what they have, be interested in what the records that they have in their care, uh, then the archivist will get interested and I think they'll be much e more eager to share with you what they have. Do they, um, do archivists in an area, like if I came to see you, and you didn't have what I was looking for, would you be able to, would you... <laughs> Um, like, do y'all have like this little secret secret group that you know, know each other and stuff? And you'd be able to say, you need to go over to this historical society and talk to Jim. Absolutely. And this is especially true when you're working in, let's say, a particular county in the United States. And that county, for instance, my county where I live, we were formed in 1871 out of three different counties that surround us. They took each pieces and parts from those three counties uh, and formed my county. And so as an archivist and also genealogist and a public historian, I know that. And if there, someone is looking for information on a particular ancestor around that 1871 time period, 
and I don't have the records, then and I can ask them, well, what part of the county would they have lived? Because that would depend on where they're going to go. I would send them to that particular archives. And then I would even go a step further and I would contact that archives and I would say, this person may be contacting you about this family, about looking for this type of information because we, you know, like you said, we talk to each other. We don't necessarily know what each other has all the way, but we um, share our information and we also help our patrons find what they're looking for. And that's something I think that Penny and I have talked about here on the podcast before is uh, trying to encourage researchers to go into the archives with some pre-knowledge already. Because instead of, like you said, going in and asking, I need everything on the Smith family. I'm researching my ancestor who lived here during this period of time. I'm looking for these kinds of records. And then you just see the archivist just open up and just start, you know, telling you all these things that they have hidden away that you wouldn't see on the shelves or um, perhaps in the microphone collection. And um, that's where you're really going to find um, some really interesting things. Absolutely. You know, um, it's important that you come into the archives with as much information as you can. And you share that with the archives. And believe it or not, the archives then gets a sense of this is a serious researcher. Mm -hmm. They know what they're doing. Uh, They have all their ducks in a row as much as they can. Let's see what I can do to help them to find the rest of the ducks. Because it's important that you understand that archivists um, are not just working with you. They have other patrons that are in the building, maybe. Maybe they're working on requests that have come in by email or phone calls. They also have other staff development and other things that they're working on in their archives. And so if you can help them save time by telling them all that you know, and not an hour's worth, but, you know, concise, this is my ancestor, this is the time frame, this is what I'm looking for, and be as specific as you can, you are going to get a much better response from your archivist. Right. Yes, realizing that you only have a certain amount of time in that archives and the archivist has even less time to be able to spend, dedicate, like you said, to just one client. So you want to make take full advantage of that. Are, um, are we going to be able to find school records in every state? Um, I would say in every state, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get down to the local county level, Possibly no. Uh, One of the things about school records is the fact that it depends on what was saved and preserved. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I was very fortunate and we have as much as what we have. Uh, Maybe that's from the fact that they were just forgotten and they were not thrown away. They could have very easily been thrown away. But you will be surprised about what was saved once you start looking and digging. It's important that you don't just take an online catalog um, or even, you know, a catalog or an index that's in the archives um, for the whole truth. Uh, that's why it's important to talk to those that are operating the archives. Talk to them about what they have. Uh, one of the things that I encourage genealogists to do that I sometimes get in trouble with other archivists about is I encourage genealogists to ask about unprocessed records. Mm-hmm. Unprocessed records are those records that are that have been donated or transferred to the archives that are sitting on shelves that have not been processed and what we call quote unquote ready for arch- uh, ready for researchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you may not get access to those collections, but if you don't ask about what they have, because when collections come into an archives, they get a cursory inventory completed on them, because archivists want to know what they have, and so they know 
what they have as far as the collection, but they may not know what's specifically in that collection. So ask about unprocessed records. You may not get access, but you may be pleasantly surprised if you do. Good nice. to know. Yep. When did um, when did school records become available? Like what time period are we look, can we go back to? You know, there's school records that date back to the 1700s, uh, depending on the area. Uh, and these range wildly from what kinds of school records are available. Um, I know I actually have um, my grandmother's 1940 yearbook from her high school. Now, this is not one of those nicely published yearbooks. This is a book that they put together as students, and it actually has pasted in snapshot photographs. <laughs> in the yearbook and so that tells you right there yearbooks go back even into the 1800s so it's important that you do your homework it's important that wherever you're researching that you do your homework as to what school records are available they could be located anywhere in the area they could be still located at the school board they could be in an archive they could be at a historical society or a genealogical society you need to find that out then you need to find out what kinds of records do they have. Do they have school census records? Do they have enrollment records? Um, do they have yearbooks? Um, that's usually one of the more popular types of records that was kept. But don't forget things like school newspapers or um, photographs, school photographs. There's lots of different types of school records that could be available. And also think about um, some other genealogy record sources that could have school information. And that is like the local newspaper. The local newspaper reported about the local schools in there. Uh, and so it's important that we just use all of our tactics as genealogists to find these records. Um, I know when you mentioned the yearbook, I've been having a lot of fun uh, finding things on uh, my husband's family, his parents. So not not the 18, not 1840s, definitely not the 1840s, <laughs> the 1940s, a little later than that. But um, his mom had always uh, had told us that she played basketball in in high school. And this lovely lady is only five feet tall. And my husband's like, no, you didn't. I don't know what you're thinking of, but you didn't play basketball. Well, sure enough, we found the the yearbook, and there she is on the intramural basketball team. <laughs> See, I did. I did. I can prove it. <laughs> yep. What type of records, uh, what kind of information are we going to find on these records? Are we going to be able to connect um, parents to children, um, birth dates? What, what kind of information are we going to be able to find um, other than the fact that our ancestor played basketball? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it's gonna that's gonna depend mainly on uh, the records themselves. Uh, I can tell you that the the school registers that um, I received a couple of years ago from our school board have been an absolute treasure trove, and they, like I said, they dated back to 1920 all the way up to 1980s. And I can tell you that there is a vast difference of information that are contained in those from decade to decade. The very early uh, school registers contain the student's name, their attendance, their grades, their father's name, and where they lived, mm -hmm. and the occupation of their father. Now, when you get into the later ones, that all that information is not in there. And so it's important to look at these records for what's in there. Uh, and like I said, it could be different. I can tell you, as we were processing the school records, uh, school registers, I, we ran across a particularly interesting piece of information. 
they um, were required, these are teachers' registers, they were required to record how many days they were in school and how many they were not, keeping up, keeping up with students' attendance. And in one of these registers, it mentioned that one of the students had had a death in the family. And so when we looked at that even further in that register, it, what it was is the student herself had passed away. Oh, my. This was before death records in the state of Tennessee. And so this was an extreme, and it wasn't even my ancestor or my volunteer's mm -hmm. ancestor, but it really piqued our interest as genealogists. We thought there are no death records for this child. And this is a death record. This right. is proving that she died. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, school records are not just for school information, mm -hmm. but they can give you all kinds of information. Wow. Yeah. I for my my maternal grandmother, um, I got the school records um, from I think it was the Michigan Archives, and because they were in such a small community, it lists both all of the kid, all of the children in the same family. And it lists their ages, and like you said, it just it just mentions the father's name. It doesn't mention the mother's name. So you can see those a bigger family grouping than just your individual ancestor, but all of the siblings who are also attending that school at the same time. Um, Melissa, what if your ancestors didn't go to school? Yep. Yeah. Oh, if your ancestors didn't go to school, um, don't discount school records because there are school records that could mention your ancestor. Um, at, at, when we started this, I mentioned my husband's grandfather and that little piece of information that I found. However, think about if your ancestor worked for the school system. Uh, back in the day when we had one-room schoolhouses, there were many local people who chopped wood for the schoolhouse, who delivered coal for their coal stoves, who took care of the buildings, did repairs. How about if they drove the school bus? Um, I have actual contracts in these school records that I have for locals who drove the school bus. But one of the really uh, important record sources that I would point genealogists to are school board minute books. Uh, these are minute books that uh, talks about all the different business that the school board handled. Well, what if your ancestor had a beef with the schools or like I said, they worked for the schools in some capacity, they may be listed in the school board minute books. And so your ancestors not going to school doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't mentioned in school records. So that's why um, we should never leave any record source uh, untouched when it comes to doing our genealogy research. And I'm thinking of my um, grandmother's family. They, uh, she came from a large family, and a lot of her sisters were teachers in one-room schoolhouses. And I would love to see if there were any records from that school. I'll have to start digging for that. That'll be fun. Minute books would be great because a lot of times in the school systems, in their minutes, they would list who they hired for the new school year as teachers. Uh, and they did this every year. And so, and they would even list who they hired and what school they were going to be teaching at and what they would be teaching. So school minute books would be great for look for that information. Are we going to find the school minute books indexed? Most of the time, not. So you're going These to These are like, um, let's just say like a local county commission minute books mm -hmm. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They are a narrative of what happened at each and every meeting. And many times they are not indexed. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's a, it's a very interesting to uh, use those, even if your uh, ancestor did not attend school, because the, the 
social history uh, and the community history is it's important to understanding putting your ancestor in context with their community and knowing that they did not go to school um, there may be reasons why that are mentioned in there like for instance you had that you found the death record of a student who um, had passed away or there may be some a listing of students who they are known in the community but aren't going to school there may be a reason why you know, parents' deaths, other things could be um, mentioned in those records. So that's um, an, a very interesting um, resource uh, for the history, the historical context of the community and, and your ancestors within that. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the interesting things that we found, and, and I can't say that this is in every school record and everywhere, but I found some records of information about parents who are purchasing school books for their children. Now, this is before the free book program that I think across the United States was instituted at a particular time. Back then, you know, you had to purchase your, your children's school books. And many times there were parents that couldn't afford to do it. So first of all, the school um, officials had to say, okay, go ahead and give these books to this particular parent for these children. And it would list the parent and the children's names. And then there would be a note that says, the parent has agreed to work the roads to pay for these books, meaning back back before we had highway departments and things like that, locals would actually do road work. And many, many of us genealogists know this information that are in the court records where they are appointed to work on roads. But did you know that many times they're working on those roads because they're paying for their children's school books? So that makes that connection there. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> I wouldn't either until I found these records, see? So see, I learn too every day. When I'm working on records in the archives, I learn something every day. So even if we well, even if we know or, or, or we have documentation of, of, you know, for me, I was thinking school records to prove birth, to prove parentage. But there's, according to you, having looked at these things, there's so much, there's a wealth of information in here. Absolutely. And I'm one of those genealogists that I want to know everything about my ancestors. Mm -hmm. I want to know what they had for breakfast. I want mm -hmm. to know what their hobbies were. I want to tell their whole story as much as possible. Um, I am known for making timelines for every one of my ancestors that I research, and I research all of them. Because and I and I try very hard to have something for every single year of their lives on that timeline, regardless of how small it is. And so these school records are perfect for that. I have found records for my husband's great grandfather who had to purchase books for his children, could not afford it, afford it, so he had to work the roads. So I've been able to put that on his timeline, and it adds to his life story. Mm -hmm. Other than just he was born, he died, he married. Yep. You know, it, it makes them real to us as ancestors, and it tells us their story. It tells us why they did what they did, why did they go where they go. Um, and because sometimes, you know, I just want to know that information. I want to know why his the family uh, lived the way they did. Um, why did they move here? Why did they move there? And so a lot of this extra information, like school records, can help us with that. Well, and yeah. also I love the idea that you do a timeline that's mm -hmm. so detailed. About that, I know yeah. we've done um, a podcast before, uh, blog posts about timelines. I love timelines. I'm very visual. And Me too. I like to be able to see it all laid out. Um, but I, I don't have anything that's year to year, though. That would be that would be amazing to see that. That would be great. Yeah, I do that because, like I said, I'm more about the story than the dates. And so when you do a timeline like that, and I do my timelines on my computer, and I 
one for each every ancestor and I go ahead and make up my template and I do the timeline from the year they're born to the year they die and and then as I research I fill in those years as to information and like I said it doesn't matter how small it could be that you found what I call a gossip column in the newspaper where it mm. says um, Mr. And Mrs. Brown went and visited their in-laws yeah. on Sunday yeah. well I'll put that on the timeline mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then when you go to write the narrative about their their uh, their life you know you can add that little tidbit mm-hmm. yep absolutely absolutely and it also tells you, you about you know your family they were so it, Education was so important to them that they would go and they would work the road so that their children could go and get this education rather than leaving school and, you know, just doing manual labor. So that tells you something about um, their character and their um, their hopes for their children. It absolutely does, because this particular grandfather um, was not known as a very nice man. And so you get connotations talking to family members about him. But then when you find these records, you think to yourself, okay, well, maybe he wasn't a nice man, but he made sure his children had school books. Mm -hmm. So that's something about his character that you can Mm -hmm. add. Instead of just being told a family story of, well, he wasn't a very nice man. Well, you know what? Don't leave it like that because Mm -hmm. he actually had a little bit of character. He tried to give his children an education. Right. Yep. Great. That's great. Good. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for giving us all this information about school records. And I'm, I'm certainly excited to start digging in and seeing what I can find. I know Amy's already found some stuff. Lucky girl. But <laughs> what we need to do is we need to locate those records first. So I think that's half, half the battle yeah. here, right, Melissa? Yes. It is half the battle. And unfortunately, school records are not one of those records that you're going to find very prevalent online. Uh, like, you know, records are coming online fast and furious. But as an archivist, I can tell you that the majority to, oh, 95% of the records are still sitting on shelves in archives. And so, and, and another thing I like to add, too, is that, um, that if you're worried about not being able to travel to do research, uh, I always tell this because I'm one of these. I work full time. I don't get to travel very much to do my own research. Like my ancestors are in the north. I live in the south. And so uh, over the last 30 years, I have been extremely successful using email, phone calls, um, the Ask the Librarian or Ask the Archivist button on their website. But I also use real mail <laughs> to make my request and to converse with archivists. Now, there are still records that I would have to go there to see, but I have been pretty successful with using those tactics to do my research. So don't let you not being able to travel discourage you from reaching out. And especially in this day and time and what we are living through in this day and time, our archives are really making themselves more accessible to researchers because um, we need to use these facilities. And this is my little plug for archives and archivists. We need to use these facilities because they keep statistics. Those statistics are seen by those that provide their budgets. If the archives are not being used, then they are in. A, they're scared of being yeah. their budgets cut. So we need to get out there as genealogists and use these facilities. It's great to see all the stuff online, but we need to contact uh, the local archives, historical societies, genealogical societies, and talk to them about their records. I appreciate you saying that. That's absolutely true. Yes. Yes. yes absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you so much for sharing. No, this has been fascinating. Um, You've given us a lot to think about here. And, um, you know, school records are so much more than uh, even what I thought would be available. So um, I'm excited to dig in a little deeper and look at um, those records and see what we can find for all of my ancestors. Melissa, you have, uh, we mentioned before that you have a a blog and you write for, um, that you post on Abundant Genealogy, got that, and you you have webinars that are on legacy. Yes. Are they, is there anything else that you've got out there that people need to know about? You can follow me on Facebook, uh, The Archive Lady. I have a Facebook page and I'm always posting, um, new things that are coming to archives, what archives have been processing and make it available to researchers. So I'm always doing that. And you can find me on Twitter at TN Archivist. So I'm out there and, um, you know, my email, if anyone has a question about researching in archives or records preservation, I'm always glad to answer those questions by email. Awesome. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you conversing with us about school records and we hope everybody listening, um, goes out there and tries to find something. You never know what, what information you're going to dig up about your family and school records. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope that everyone goes and looks for those school records. Uh, don't give up because uh, they're probably out there somewhere. And use your archives. <laughs> yes, use your archives. They're there for you to, to find those records because, um, like I said, they're just full of shelves with records just waiting for you to find them. Thanks again, Melissa, for joining us on our podcast. Please sign up for our weekly tips and blog posts, and you can do that at genealogyhappyhour.com right on the landing page. Every Monday, we'll send you out a short and sweet but super helpful tip to help guide you in your genealogical research. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Please email us with any questions or comments at genealogyhappyhour at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.genealogyhappyhour.com, for additional resources, books, and wines. Don't forget to drink responsibly. And never drink around genealogical documents.